Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Good morning. Can we stand to our feet? We're gonna prepare for worship, and the scripture says, I was glad when they said, let us come into the house of the Lord, and I will sing praise and give thanks. And today, God is gonna do beautiful things among us. So if you are ready with anticipation and faith, can you put your hands together as we worship the Lord? Let's worship.
Welcome, everybody. We're going to continue to worship the Lord at this moment. If you feel comfortable to do so, we just invite you to extend your hand toward the heavens right now with us. How many would say that I would need God to do something in my life? I need a healing. I need a touch. I need an answer. I need deliverance. I need a breakthrough. Healing is in the room. Breakthrough is in the room. Hope is in the room. So let's just call upon the name of the Lord. Somebody just call out the name Jesus. Yeah, a little bit louder. Just say, Jesus, we need you. Father God, we love you. We are in your house today. We ask that you would show us the way. We call upon your name. We need you, God. We love you. We honor you. And in the name of Jesus, all of God's people said, Amen and amen. Can we put our hands together and bless the name of the Lord? Yeah. 
this is our faith. It's right here. You heard your children then, but you hear your children now. Cause you are the same. Sing it with me, say, you are the yeah. You answered prayers back then, and you will answer now. Cause you are the same. We sing it out together. You are that's it. You were providing then. You are providing. Yes, come on. You are the same. You are the same God. You moved in power. You moved in power.
our prayer right now. I'm calling on the Holy Spirit. Yes, we are. Almighty river, come and fill me again. Yes, that's our prayer. Say, come and fill me Yeah, don't just sing it, pray it, pray it. Come on. Say, come, come and fill me That's it right now. Come and fill me again. Come and fill me How we need your love. We need your love. Cathedral of Faith is so important that we don't just sing that melody, but we pray those words. Did you feel the difference? Do you hear the difference? Don't just sing the melody, pray the words. Come and fill me again. Right now, Holy Spirit, come and fill us again, we pray. Right here in this moment, right here in this moment, God, I believe that you can heal a heart right here in this moment. I think you can... I believe that you can heal a heart right here in this moment. I believe that you can heal a marriage right here in this moment. I believe you could deliver somebody right here in this moment, Father. Right now, God, I pray that you can restore someone's ability to believe again. Someone's ability to trust you again. Some people are here are wounded. They're gun shy. They feel they've been hurt and let down before. I pray right now that they would begin to surrender to you with absolute trust and certainty. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we shout your praise 
in the sanctuary. And all of God's people shouted in this moment, amen and amen and amen. Come on, Cathedral of Faith. Welcome everybody. Everyone is welcome here. Nobody's perfect here. The love is being lived out here and everything is here in Jesus' name. God is good and all the time. It's great to see you. We're gonna continue our worship in this moment as we throw it out to the amphitheater and Pastor Ken. Give our pastor, senior pastor a great big welcome. Oh, thank you, Pastor Vaughn. What a beautiful day, and thank you, Pastor Vaughn, for leading us in such a centering experience of worship, recentering our lives on God, and the celebration is continuing as we have Lydia here that's going into the waters of baptism, and the Bible says that all heaven rejoices when one person comes home to the Father. So Lydia, let me ask you a question. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? You've surrendered your life to him. Upon that confession of faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, down with the old and up with the new. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, before you're seated, look at somebody and tell them, we serve an awesome God. Go ahead and do that today. We serve an awesome God. Hello, Cathedral friends and family. We've got some exciting things coming up. Here's what's going on. First off, if you're new around here, welcome. We would love to get to know you a little bit better as well as share with you a little bit more about what we do here at the church. So don't be shy. Go ahead and take out your phone. You can scan the QR code on the screen, text the number, or see one of our team members. We would also love for you to join us in the amphitheater after service for a free cup of coffee and to meet some of our pastoral staff. Well, our Spanish translation is back. Translation happens during the 11 o'clock service. You can go ahead and stop by the kiosk in the lobby to pick up a headset. Next week is Creation Care Weekend. It's a super exciting weekend, one of my personal favorites. We would love for you to bring your dog to church you can enjoy service in the amphitheater. And then following service, we'll have free puppuccinos and Pastor Ken will do a special blessing over you and your furry friend. Now, we would love for you to have a chance to show off any pets that you have at home because let's be real, all pets are part of the family too. You can send a picture or a short video to info at cathedraloffaith.org. As always, for everything that's happening here at the church, you can follow us on social media, check out the church website, or give us a call at the church office. Have a great weekend. Good morning, church. Oh, come on. Good morning, church. <laughs> we can all say good morning. I know of a special man who has a special day this man, and I've known him for almost 45, 46 years. I've been his brother. He's my brother. He's funny. He is intelligent. 
He is full of wisdom. This man loves God. He loves his family, and he loves his cathedral family. So I'm going to ask you to please stand as I introduce him to you. This day is a special day for it's his birthday, Pastor Ken Foreman, right? <laughs> Happy be seated if you notice something special about him we didn't have to help him up here <laughs> he ran up the stairs I want to give you an opportunity to worship God with your tithe and offering as you can see up on the large screen there's three ways to give one is online one is through the app you can give it to the ushers as you're exiting or you can drop it off at the church but you've heard this verse I'm going to give you so many times it's in Malachi chapter 3 it says bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Improve me now herewith, saith the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. If I will throw open, if you see that word open, in the Hebrew, it's patach. And what it means is this. It means to open. That's pretty smart, huh? That's astute. Well, when you take hermeneutics, that's the art and science of interpreting scripture. The first time a word is used in the Bible, it'll carry that meaning throughout scripture. It will not change or differentiate from the first time it was used. The first time this word is used in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of heaven were open. That's when Noah had to build an ark so that he wouldn't drown. The floodgates of earth were opened. That word carries the same meaning all throughout Scripture. Look at this. I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing. How many can use a blessing? Raise your hand. All of us. How many can stand up and raise their foot too? All of us. <laughs> well, what kind of a blessing do you need? Do you need peace? Do you need prosperity? Do you need restoration? Do you need joy? As you give to God, ask him for those things. God will flood you with them, and they will continue to pour into your life. That's the type of God we serve. Give him a hand of praise. <laughs> and thank you for that. And now I have one more announcement. We have lost a great man who is so important to Cathedral of Faith. His name is Jack Horton. And when you hear the name of the Horton family, that family is synonymous, as you know. They are synonymous with generosity. He and his wife were instrumental in building the Cathedral of Faith. Everything on this campus that you see. And they were also instrumental in landscaping it. So if you think your church looks beautiful, it's because the Horton family were instrumental, instrumental in making sure that happens. Praise God. Well, Jack, 
Jack has gone home to be with the Lord, and him and Pastor Foreman might be getting ready to build something in heaven together again. We're going to celebrate his graduation into the kingdom of heaven on Saturday, October 1st, here in the main sanctuary. And I ask you that you would not only pray for his wife, but for his daughter, Dorothy, because this family has blessed Cathedral so much. And I thank you for that. And now, let's welcome Pastor Ken as he comes to preach to us. Cathedral family. It is so great to be together. And whether you're here on site, you know, in the building, outside in the amphitheater, in the parking lot, or those who are watching online, we love our online community. It's so great to have you with us today. And I have so much gratitude in my heart. I have so much to be thankful for. God blessed me with another year, and I'm thankful for that. Amen. I have the best job on the entire planet. I get to serve here at the Cathedral of Faith, and I'm thankful for that. I didn't get a ticket this morning like I did last week, and I'm thankful for that. I learned from my daughter, I'm going to be a grandpa again. I'm thankful for that. Come on. And a few weeks ago, I told you that, well, God gave me a nudge that I needed to take charge, take dominion, to have more discipline when it came to my appetites. And so I'm still a work in progress. But when I stepped on the scale, I don't know, what was it, six weeks ago, you can see I was at 188. So let's see if I made some headway. Let's check it out. These are the exact clothes I wore. 174, 14 pounds. I'm making progress. Glory to God. Amen. Look what the Lord has done. And does anybody have a donut? Amen. (laughs) You know, we are taking a deep dive into the Ten Commandments. And why that's so important is that the Ten Commandments serve, they're a little bit like a compass. I just found out this week that I actually have a compass on my phone. And you know how a compass works. If you have a compass, you can find where true north is. True north is that way. And it doesn't really matter where you're at. I can be all the way on this side of the stage by the piano, and I can still use the compass. It shows me true north is that way. Or I can walk over here, way into the land of the drums. And even in the land of the drums, the compass still works. It shows me true north is that way. And this is why these 10 words are so critical. Because no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at on the planet, no matter where you're at in human history, These 10 words can still help you to find your way. They're a moral compass, a spiritual compass, a life-giving compass, and they point us to the true north freedom that God has for us. 
Because if you don't have a compass, living in a post-truth world, you will find yourself getting lost. You really will. I saw this one sign that said, I'm lost. I've gone to look for myself. If I should return before I get back, please ask me to wait. <laughs> and that can happen to any of us living in a post-truth world, in the culture that we're in. Without a compass, we can lose our way. And God loves us too much. He cares too much about us to see that happen. And so he gives us a dependable, reliable compass that points us down the pathway to true freedom. It was dependable yesterday. It's dependable today. And it will be dependable tomorrow. Jesus once said this. He said, Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. And all God's people said amen to that. So I invite you now to stand with me for the reading of the scriptures as we turn to Exodus chapter 20. And today's commandment has to do with what I call image management. We read in Exodus 20. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. And if you're grateful God has brought you out of Egypt, can somebody say amen? amen. You shall have no other gods before me. In other words, the main thing is to keep the main thing. Amen. You got it. We continue. You must, make, must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. Don't make them, don't worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. And you don't have to be a psychologist to look around and see how that just happens. You look at someone and say they have anger issues, like this cat right here. You gotta watch out for those cats. <laughs> say you know someone who has anger issues, and it's so interesting because their dad had anger issues. And when you trace it back further, well, you know, Grandpa had anger issues too. And you look back even further, and well, great-grandpa had those same anger issues. And that sin has passed on from one generation to another generation to another generation. But thanks be to God, that's not where the story ends. The scripture continues this way. It says, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. That the love of God is greater than my sin. The grace of God is greater than my sin. I may infect my, gener God, my generation one way, but God's grace infects it a greater way. Hallelujah to God. His grace is greater than our sin. So what is this second commandment about? Now, on a side note, I don't think it has to do with the use of religious art as aids in worship because God's going to go on in the next few chapters to instruct artists to create religious works of art 
to aid their people in worship. And if you want to read a little more about how we use art here at Cathedral of Faith, Dr. Wayne and I have written a couple articles that you can pick up at the Guest Center. What I do think it's about is this. In the same way that God first said, keep the main thing the main thing, in the second command, God looks at us and he says, don't make me up. Let God be God. Let God be God. Would you say that with me? Let God be God. Heavenly Father, speak to us over these next few minutes. Start with me. Help us to get an accurate picture of who you are and what you've done for us. It's the most important thing for our lives is to understand a right image of you. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory, all God's people said, can we give him praise one more time? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, as you're being seated, tell someone, Mr. Hemman, let God be God. Amen. (laughs) Let God be God. Now, there was a movie that came out a few years ago, and in the movie, a scientist makes a machine that can shrink things, and it accidentally gets turned on, well, watch the screens and listen to him tell his wife what happened. I called the police. What's on your head? Uh, I was looking for the kids. Where, in a coal mine? They're in the backyard. They are? Diane, I got something real important to tell you. That is the couch from the attic. You can see the marks where Quark chewed the arms. I found it on the floor. It's my thinking couch. Wayne, are you trying to tell me you did it? It works. The machine works. Do the kids know? Well, yeah, the kids know. That's great. It's not that great. Why? I shrunk the kids. What? And the Thompson kids, too. They're about this big. They're in the backyard. What? Threw them out with the trash. Stay here. I'll get the door. Yes? Did uh, you report some missing children? Oh, there must be some mistake. Ours are in the backyard. Right, honey? It's bad to say, honey, I shrunk the kids. It's even worse to turn the machine at God and say, honey, I shrunk our God. And that's the problem with idolatry. It reduces God. It shrinks God. And it gives us a distorted image of God. In Isaiah chapter 40, we read this. uh, uh, The prophet Isaiah says, to whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold, and decorated with silver chains? Now, to really get our arms around this command, we really have to jump into the world that it was given. Because idols were everywhere. I mean, they were absolutely everywhere. People made them, they bowed down to them, they worshiped them. When you went into a temple, there was an idol set up, and the idol wasn't just there to represent God. There was a ceremony they would conduct with the idol. 
where they would carve a hole into the mouth. Then they would feed the idol. Then they would clothe the idol. And after that ceremony, the idol and the God would be one and the same. So idolatry was very real. Israel is coming out of that. And they're going to a land that is immersed in that. And now you can see why it, was, why it was easy for them to fall into that trap in the wilderness. Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. They're down in the valley 40 days. They're worried what's going on with Moses. And so they tell Aaron, make us a God who will guide us. They want a God they can see, that they can worship, that they can follow. And you know how the story goes. Out of the fire comes a golden calf. But let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Do you think a golden calf is a good representation of Almighty God? The world has been captivated and focused on what's been going on over in England. The queen passed away. And when the queen first came to power, the prime minister at that time was Winston Churchill. Now, I read a story that Winston Churchill once had a portrait that was painted of him. And it was by a famous painter, but the reviews were very mixed on the portrait. And it seems like Winston Churchill wasn't a big fan either. Because a year after he had been given that portrait, his wife took it outside and cut it up into a thousand pieces. Because she didn't feel the painting did him justice. Exactly. And when you have the eternal, invisible source and sustainer of all that exists does a golden calf do him justice? And so you see that God cares about his image, about our understanding of who he is, because nothing is more important, whether it's metal images or mental images, nothing is more important than a correct understanding of God. There was a spiritual leader by the name of Henry Nouwen, and he wrote a book, and it's an excellent book called The Wounded Healer, and in the book, he tells a story. It's about four brothers, and one of the brothers said, you know, I can take a bone, and I have the power to put flesh on it, and the other brother said, well, if you put flesh on it, I have the power to put skin and hair on that flesh. And the other brother said, well, if you can do that, I can take that flesh and skin and hair and turn it into a limb. And the fourth brother said, well, if you can do all of that, I can give the creature life. And so they did. In the jungle, they found a bone and they gave it flesh and they gave it skin and they gave it hair and they turned it, they made the limbs and they gave it life and it turned out to be a lion. And the lion shook itself, jumped on the four brothers, and ate them. 
Now tell the kids that at bedtime tonight. That'll give them nightmares. Amen. But the moral of the story is this. What you create can often come back to bite you. It can. Now, I've been made in the image of God. But when I start to make God in my image, it can come back to bite me. See, nothing is more important than our understanding of God. You know, in our minds, we don't struggle so much in our day, especially in the West, when it comes to metal images. What we, dis- what we struggle with is mental images. Because in our minds, we've got all of these snapshots of who we think God is. I found this photo album, and it was so cool. I had forgotten about it. My mom, on my 35th birthday, made a photo album for me of pictures from our family's history. You can see one. uh, Well, here's me and my brother growing up right down the street from here. And here's another one of when my wife and I got married. All these photos are in this album. Memories, some of them go back a long time. And your brain, in a way, is like this photo album. And you have all these snapshots in your head. Some of them go back a very long ways. You have snapshots of who you think God is and what you think God is like. And that can have a profound impact on the way you relate to God. In fact, there's a uh, publication called The Journal of the Scientific Study of Religion. And they once uh, produced a story about researchers who had found that a child's image of God is quite often in those early years uh, developed from the kind of family system they had. That if you had a family where the parents were overly strict, hypercritical, mean, demeaning, and you never could please them, then you tended to think of God in that way. That God was mean. You could never please him. He's always critical of you. And you would tend to relate to God in that way. So much so, I've seen this happen as a pastor with sincere, good people of faith. They carry images from their history. They read a passage like we find, say, in Exodus chapter 34, where God says to Moses, I am the Lord. I am the God who is tender and kind. I am gracious. I am slow to get angry. I am faithful and full of love. They read that, but they can't comprehend it And they can never get themselves to surrender and trust God like they want to because in the back of their heads, they view God as a monster. And they want to keep their distance. Because you'll never surrender your life to a monster. You'll never trust a monster. That's not how we are wired. We're not made that way. And so I've seen them They love God, and they'll serve God, but they serve him not because they have to, or they they serve him because they have to and not because they want to. They serve him, I should say, out of fear, 
but they never really serve him out of love. They serve him as slaves, but they never really serve him as sons. And that's why God cares so much that you and I have the right mental image about who he is and what he's like, and that's why we have to look to the person of Jesus. Because in the person of Jesus, the invisible becomes visible. There was a child who wrote a letter to God, and the letter went like this. Dear God, are you really invisible, or is that just a trick? Lucy. And in the person of Jesus, the invisible God makes himself visible. I want to read to you some passages that talk about the visibility of the invisible God. In Colossians chapter one, we read, the son is the image of the invisible God. He's the icon of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things are held together. And it continues. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all, all, all his fullness dwell in Christ Jesus. Can we give Jesus praise? Hallelujah. He is the visible image of the invisible God. We continue reading. In John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. It continues, no one, no one has ever seen God but the one and only son who is himself God and is in his closest, as in, and is in closest relationship with the father. He Jesus has made him known. Can we give him praise one more time? In Jesus we have the visible image of the invisible God, and that's why I invite you today to take your photo album and bring it to Jesus. There is no clearer picture of God than what we see in the person of Jesus Christ. And he can sort through that album and he can help you to get rid of distorted images and help you to gain some healthy images of the reality of who God is and what God can be to you. Again, I'd suggest there's nothing more important than the way you understand God because who we revere, we tend to become like. Who we idolize, we tend to imitate. Think of how it works on a lower level. I mean, if we idolize an athlete, we want to wear the same shoes he does. If we idolize a performer, we want to, well, we want to learn the same dance steps they have. If we idolize an investor, we want to adopt the same strategies 
they have. If we idolize, I saw one guy, he spent over $100,000 in plastic surgery to make him look like his idol, Justin Bieber. And the Bible has an interesting, interesting phrase in Psalm 115. It's talking about people who've made these metal images and are bowing down and worshiping them. It says, those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. If you worship something lifeless, you're going to end up lifeless. But if you worship Jesus, the life-giving Jesus, before you know it, you'll be full of life. You'll be walking like Jesus and talking like Jesus and thinking like Jesus and loving like Jesus and you'll turn around and one day you'll say, would you look at what the Lord has done? I am a human being who's fully alive, made in the image of God and what could be better than that? Amen? What could be better than that? And Jesus is the key. You know, as the tech team clears the stage and Jessica gets ready to take us home with a powerful song, again, let's focus on Jesus in this moment. He reveals to us, I remember one one story, it's one of my favorites, and it was a, a teacher of a kindergarten class at church, and she gave the kids some free time to do some drawing, and she went around looking at pictures, and one kid had drawn a dog, and another kid had drawn a cat, And she saw a third child and asked them, what are you drawing? And he said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, well, no one knows what God looks like. And the boy said, they will when I get through. (laughs) Jesus draws us a picture. We don't know everything there is to know about God. But we know that the invisible God has made himself visible in the person of Jesus And if I bring my heart to him, he can recorrect those distorted images. Some of you have come here today and you are so broken on the inside and you're carrying so much shame and so much guilt and you can't figure out why do I carry it? Why can't I trust God and surrender it to him? And it goes all the way back to parents that were impossible to please to a critical voice in your head. You'll never be good enough. And I want you to discover the Father's heart again. Open up your heart. And let Jesus begin to sort through those images as Jessica sings this powerful song. And then we'll go to the Lord's table together. beauty 
leaving you lost He's not sitting there shaking his head Wishing he never went to that cross He's not sitting there shaking his head Writing you off, leaving you lost He's not sitting there shaking his head He went to that cross, he went to that cross take the elements as we come to the table of Jesus. He went to that cross. The greatest demonstration of his love for us and the Father's heart for us. That God is for us and not against us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for being the supreme revelation of God to us. That God is with us and God is for us. And as we eat today of the bread of Christ, we receive into ourselves the amazing love of the Father. Let's eat of the bread of Christ. And as we drink, we drink in your love. As we drink the cup of Christ, receive into your mind, your body, and your soul, your heart. Let the love of God flow all the way through. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you honor and praise, Lord. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. 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 You know, my brother, when he would do the welcome, he would say, welcome into your father's house. And I want to just keep this, this amazing moment going where we're thinking about who God is, who he really is, and we're letting God be God to us. What kind of house, Pastor Vaughn, is our father's house? Let's sing it as we wind things up together. Amen. Put your hands together with us like this. Well, sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. But it looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over. My story's just begun. 
Cause failure won't define me Cause that's what my father does Yeah, come on, say that with me Say failure won't define me Cause that's what my father does Ooh, Come on not the end game the journey's where you are you never wanted perfect you just wanted my heart and the story isn't over if the story isn't good a failure's never final when the father's in the you gotta believe that come on a failure's never final when the father's in the room Say, This is what we believe. The prodigals come home. The helpless find hope. Say love is on the move when the father's in the Just look around. Come on, y'all. Fling wide. The dead come to life. Love is on the move when the father's in the room. Come on, hey. time. I sung myself hoarse. Amen. We serve an awesome God. 
I just want to say thank you again for being so kind. You know, my wife and I, uh, we've had the privilege of serving. I mean, we'll be married 39 years. I've been on staff now, what is it, 41 years? And it's such an honor and a joy to serve you. I love our cathedral family. And God continues to give us influence. God gave me the opportunity to do the invocation at the, at the mayor's state of the city address. This last week, I had the chance to lift up Jesus right there in downtown San Jose. Amen. So God has been so good to us. You know, if you need further prayer, um, our team will be out at the amphitheater to pray with you and pray for you. And this week, all this week, when you wake up, keep the main thing the main thing, and then just let God be God. Let's say it again. Let God be God. And the best place to find him is in the eyes of Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you, so gracious to you, and give you his peace. And I pray this, that this week, every day when you wake up, you would know that God is with you, God is for you, and that the Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside of you because of who Jesus is and what he's done. And I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All God's people said, amen. amen. Have an awesome week, Cathedral. Love you.